0: Yes, the MLB draft is in two weeks, but the trade deadline's just after that, and there are teams that are out of it that are looking to see what they can get for some of their star players. I hopped on Locked On Nationals with our friend Josh Neighbors to talk all about it. You are Locked On MLB Prospects, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: This is a crossover edition of Locked On MLB Prospects and Locked On Nationals. I am Josh Neighbors, the host of Locked On Nationals. Lindsey Crosby is here. He is the host of Locked On MLB, MLB Prospects. Tonight, we will be discussing which Nationals players could be up for well being traded. I mean, which ones aren't, I guess, is the big question. If, it it a- might be easier to list the ones that aren't going to get traded. <laughs> Honestly, at this point, it is. Uh, so Lindsay, it's nice to talk to you again, as always. Thank you. Um, are, you know, are we, did, we had a successful run last time where we did, you know, Juan Soto trade packages. Um, this one is, a, this one's actually going to be a bit more, I'm not saying it wasn't realistic, but this is a bit more realistic. Cause like a lot of the guys we're talking about are going to at least be in trade talks or are going to get traded. Like the nationals, they're going to, they're going to be, I know the quote from Mike Rizzo was, uh, I believe it was cautious. Sellers was, was the quote that he had on, on the junkies uh, in, in D.C. But um, I don't know why you'd be cautious when your team is this bad.
0: Yeah, he said, he said, I would assume that if we're playing at the rate we're playing, we'll probably be careful Sellers and careful make sure numbers. that we maximize the players, at least with expiring contracts. So he's telling you, as long as we're losing, I'm shipping all of these expiring contracts out the door.
1: Yeah, and so there's, I mean, the Nationals don't have any guys on multi-year deals outside of Patrick Corbin and Steven Strasburg. And those guys aren't, well, obviously Steven Strasburg, you know, it's a lot of questions about his future and just in baseball in general. Patrick Corbin's pitched better lately, but like, that's not, it's not a contract you can move. So you're stuck with that.
0: And the rest Strasburg of the way, okay. has a full non-trade clause.
1: Yes. Yes, he does. I mean, not anybody would want him at this point in time, like, you know, uh, but so, you know, I think a lot of the talk. I mean, I saw an athletic article recently that was about, hey, which Nationals players are, are available? Uh, which ones, are, you know, are guys that you think about? There's two guys that I think off the top of my head come, and there's really one that, we, that, that we'll talk about a lot more in depth down the line. But Josh Bell and, and Nelson Cruz are like the two position players that you have to look at. They've been three, four in the Nationals order, kind of in some variation, in some shape or form for most of the season. And it stands to reason that that those two guys are not going to be wearing a Nationals red, white, blue, uh, and sometimes uh, that gray jersey, the City Connect jersey, for much longer.
0: Yeah, and you know, I I really kind of wish if you could go back and redo everything that Josh Bell kind of got re-signed. I do too. I mean, it's something where... He's he's having a fantastic year. I mean, 318, 399, 514 is the slash line. 12 form runs. He's been worth 3.3 war this season. I mean, it's it's he's he's having an absolute like great season, and you kind of want him to be there for the rebuild. It's just you're trading guys away this year and you're kind of acknowledging the rebuild's a little farther away than we expected, right? So Josh Bell, Nelson Cruz started off this year slow, has recovered a bit, is looking closer to the Nelson Cruz that we knew—not what he was, but closer to what he right. was—and so it's like, okay, uh, what are the packages, and and what are we trying to get out of moving both of these guys?
1: Yeah, we're going to spend a lot of time on Josh Bell, a separate show because he because I think he's like I think he is very very fascinating, but Nelson Cruz, um, so he. You know, I've told you this before, Lindsay. I like to look at months because I think months are nice, large sample size. Well, larger-ish sample sizes um, that you can usually, you know, you can make some inferences off, off months. But also, there's variance from month to month normally that we get. So, Nelson Cruz had a really difficult month of April. 155, 253, 226, 479 on the slash line. Like washed, washed would be the word. I, and, and also oh, this is still problem too. He has grounded into so many double plays this year. That has been a huge problem for him. But I mean, that first month did not look good at all. Nope. The, the changes here though, and this is where it gets in this conversation of, about trade value. Like, all right, where do we, where is the appraisal of him? Which guy is he? Because in the month of May, 318 379 459 838 16 rbis two home runs and then there's a really nice june where it's 271 364 458 822 18 rbis and four home runs you know that, that's uh, i i don't think he's a 318 guy i think he's more of the june guy that we talked about not mm-hmm. a great start to the month of july now but where do you kind of see nelson Gris? it's a guy who's you know look last year he got traded the deadline so like You know, is he, is it, is it that kind of value again? Is it somewhere less? I mean, he kind of is what he is. And I believe this guy's got a mutual option. I think it's what it is for him after the year's over.
0: Yeah. He has a $16 million mutual option and a $3 million buyout. Uh, I see him as, as close to what he was going to the Rays last year. And part of that is their performance picked up a bit from April to May and then to June, but also it's kind of the intangibles, right? The, the leadership, the mentorship qualities. Mm -hmm. I think about a team. uh, I'm not saying it's going to be them, but think about a team that's younger, that has a lot of younger players and doesn't necessarily have the veteran stalwarts. Uh, Cleveland guardians is a great example. One of the youngest teams in baseball Yeah, doesn't have a ton of vets. I don't think any position players are over the age of 30. So bringing in a veteran uh, who can kind of help that team in the playoff push would be a reason to bring in Nelson Cruz. And we've seen, this happened before. We've seen te- teams trade for guys that statistically didn't have a giant role or, got, or team sign guys. Didn't have a giant role, but they had a defined job and they brought some of those intangibles. There was no reason for Albert Pujols to sign with the Dodgers last year, except they used him in a very specific role as a lefty bat off the bench and mm-hmm. his leadership on the bench. So Nelson Cruz, similar boat, is going to get you a similar package to what last year.
1: So, and, and he is a player, you know, you mentioned like the veteran leadership I and mean, like they brought him in because they liked the fact that their young star Juan Soto wanted him to be in DC, um, you know, but, but, and, and I mean, I guess my one thing is like to that end, like how, how is that? I mean, I want to, how has it paid dividends at all? I, I don't really, I don't really know if it has I mean, you know, you keep your star happy. Right. But yeah, I think there is, I think there is something to be said for a team like the guardians It's just—it's just a matter of how serious do you want to be about a playoff push for the Guardians? Because I mean, Lindsay, they've been really—they've—they've been consistent about trading people away and not trading for people, even in spots where like they—they should be.
0: Yeah, it's—it's that's the hardest part of this whole thing is figuring out who's going to be the team that's going to go out there and say, "Yes, we think we're ready to go out and make a push." I mean, right now. Guardians, three and a half games back in the Central. So it's not out of the mm-hmm. realm of possibility no. that they choose, hey, we can go after one of those three wild card spots um, and, and make the trade. But then there's going to be other teams that, that either need some sort of production of the DH spot, uh, just need that extra bat in the lineup. I think of the yeah. Astros are a team that aren't getting a lot um, out of that DH spot. So they need somebody couple different places the blue jays may want a consistent dh every day versus rotating their their position players through and i actually had uh, the blue jays as a good fit for josh bell and we'll talk about that in a later episode but kind of just a situation where find a younger team uh find a team that that has a specific need for a dh that can play every day plug nelson cruz in that lineup and see how much better they get and oh by the way you'll probably get something similar to what um Minnesota got for him last year, which was Joe Ryan and minor league pitcher Drew Stroatman.
1: And then also, let's talk about some of the other position guys here. Um, Yadiel Hernandez, to me, is a guy that I think could be really useful. What he is, he is a back of the lineup bat. That's an aggressive guy. That is, he's looking to drive in runs. It's really, it's really mm-hmm. what he's trying to do. And and I think I think there's definitely a spot. On that, I mean, you know, you think about t- like teams need guys to fill out the lineup, to, you know, the guys who can make things happen on a playoff push. And look, he's fallen off a bit since the start of the year, but to me, from the position player perspective, Yadiel Hernandez is a guy that I would look at. Two sixty six in the year, three eleven on the on base. Obviously, you know, he's not not trying to work a ton of walks. Four hundred four slugging, seven fourteen OPS, five homers, thirty one runs driven in on the year. We'll strike out a decent amount, but a guy can be a fourth outfielder for you. Um, you know, guy can be a pinch hitter for you. I mean, I, I think it gives you some flexibility. And also, you know what he's trying to do there. He's trying to go up there and try and make something happen. I think there's a lot to be said for that.
0: Yeah. Aggressive lefty bat off the bench, a fourth outfielder. And then if you're a team that's in a window that has a few years here, uh, you do have... Yeah. Uh, He's on the one year minimum now. You have 3 years of arbitration eligibility. He's like 32
1: also which is which yeah. is. He's the
0: 34. Like 34. That's it's that's right. the, that's yeah, the whole right. reason yeah. if you're the the Nationals you look at trading somebody with 3 years of team control after right. this season is he just won't fit in the window. But you can see a contender going out and saying, "Hey, well this is something where you know, we know we're going to need a bench bat next year too and we're going to need a left, you know, like a lefty off the bench." a uh, pinch-hitting guy, a fourth outfielder. Let's go get a Yadio Hernandez. We can throw some. It won't take much. It would probably take, you know, I'd imagine one pitching prospect, uh, you know, somebody who's who's towards the back end of your top 30, and you now have three seasons of Yadio Hernandez, who's played left, who's played right, who, if I remember right, I think only has two errors on the season. I mean, is not yeah. a bad defender. No. He's not a standout defender, but he's not going to hurt no, you. No,
1: right. Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And that's, that's, I, I'm with you on that. I, yeah. Back end, Like, I, I think that's a lot of this is, is, is hunting for more pitching prospects, right? Depth. I mean, mm-hmm. right now the nationals have a guy in Jackson Tetrio, who's pitching for them in the big leagues, who was not a highly sought after, um, you know, not, not a huge prospect for them. And now he's up there because he had a nice year in triple a. And so it's guys like that. Like, you know, you can turn Yadiel Hernandez into a guy who maybe he's a little bit, you know, a little bit better thought of, but just like that minor league pitching depth, I was actually talking to somebody yesterday about it, and there's so much stress in the Nationals right now to hit on Cade Cavalli, to hit on Jackson Rutledge, to hit really on Josiah Gray when they got him. And the more guys you get, the pressure lessens just so it's like there's more, more you know, more guys who can get opportunities, more guys, you know, that can can get opportunities and, and, you know, not – the few guys you have don't just have to hit because there's, there are some reinforcements.
0: Yeah. And there's something to be said for increasing the base level of competency of the guys you have. And so if you bring in and we when you trade a Yadio Hernandez, you're not going to get a top 100 prospect back. You're going to get somebody who is, he's better than organizational depth, but he's, he's going to be towards the back end of that top 30. You're looking for a guy that can come in who can give you a somewhat stable floor and can give you the runway for some of these pitching prospects to work out. You know, uh, somebody where, yeah, he can go in there and he can give you good innings. Hey, Cavalli, Cole Henry, some of these guys, like you said, don't have the pressure to perform right away because there's competency ahead of them and you're not rushing them in before they're ready. So uh, I like that. And then there's just, uh, there's a lot of relievers on this team that I think are going to be trade ships or pitchers in general. There are going to be trade chips for teams if they're interested in somebody like a Carl Edwards Jr., veteran reliever, has team control, has playoff experience. That's something a lot of managers always talk about is they want a guy who's been there before. When you get to the playoffs, a veteran in your bullpen, and just about every World Series winning team has had that one 37-year-old in the bullpen that yeah. maybe throws three innings all series.
1: Yeah, uh, you mentioned the pitching. We'll get to the pitching right here in one second. But first, quick word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Blue Nile and BlueNile.com. If you all are out there looking for that special something, that special someone, Blue Nile, can help you out today. Go to BlueNile.com. When you guys do, you guys can shop from their uh, copious amounts of jewelry. It's like a tennis bracelet or you guys want a necklace Rings the whole nine yards, they've got it today over there, and you can make your moments sparkle with jewelry from blue nile.com. Locked on sports listeners get a $50 off deal with a purchase of $500 or more. This is a podcast exclusive deal. Use the promo code LOCKEDON, that's L O C K E D O N, On. that's code LOCKEDON, plus. Every order is insured. It ships free and arrives in a discreet package that won't give away what's inside. Shop stress-free and find your forever peace. Go to bluedial.com today. All right, so this is interesting, the pitching side of things, because the Nationals have some – I mean, their bullpen was so bad last year. And so you get to the, the argument here, Lindsay. All right, do we want to trade away some of these guys? with team control or do you want to keep them because like we know they can be decent arms. I think Carl Edwards Jr. is an interesting case of this. Now he actually has not pitched. he's actually had a couple outings recently that have not gone as well. but this was a guy that his first outing of the season against the Mets. one inning, three runs given up, it was rough. but then he ripped off, I, I forgot I, I counted it. It was like 12 or 14 consecutive innings for him. Where he did not surrender or appearances, rather where he did not surrender and earned run and was really strong. It was eleven in the month of um, in the month of May where it was consecutive, and then uh, I'm counting with us but, thirteen total. Yeah, thirteen. So um, he really did a great job, you know, doing that. Now a couple couple rough outings in there, but but when you have a guy who's used this often, like those will eventually happen. The last two have not gone well for him. But he, I mean, this was a guy who, you know, he even mentioned, he said, look, I'm very grateful for the Nationals because here's the thing. He's not in here on a big, you know, I, I believe he's on a minor league contract. He this is. is not a guy who's in there, uh, you know, who is sought after by a bunch of people. He feels very indebted to the Nationals and even said, look, if that means I have to go somewhere else to pitch, that's fine because I'm helping on the Nationals organization. I owe it to them because they gave me the chance to get back in the big leagues. And he's been a huge part of the Mets bullpen. I mean, they trust him a lot ever since they brought him up. A guy who's got, once again, as you mentioned, playoff experience. He's 30 years old, so not too old, not too young. I, I, think, I think he's definitely a guy who is going to fetch, uh, not you know Big haul, but obviously, I think he's a guy who's going to be on the way out for the Nationals.
0: Yeah. CJ, um, absolutely a guy that you can see them moving on from Carl Edwards and just capitalizing on him while he has this value. Another right. guy that, that I kind of see in, in that same boat is a S- Steve Sisek. Another yeah. guy who, same situation, like he's old enough where he's not going to fit in the window. Um, one year, $1.75 million deal. So you're taking on less than a million bucks of money if you if you pick him up. But a guy that's been, uh, for the most part, reliable on the season. Uh, I think he has 34 innings. Uh, ERA looks bad four and
1: a half, but I mean... But with, he's had some, it's just been like bad, bad outings. Yeah, like, yeah.
0: What? like a few blow ups versus consistently being bad. And so it's something right. where you take him and his expiring deal and you can kind of turn him into, you know, a middle, like a, a, a middle leverage reliever who, you know, your seventh inning guy, something like that for a contender. That's valuable. That's going to get you stuff back as well. So it's, it's, there's pieces here. The question is how much do you want to give up uh, from your current roster? Now that you finally got your bullpen back to competence uh, to prime for the future. And I think Carl Edwards Jr. is an edge case because of he-, he is young enough to contribute when you're competitive. Um, Steve Sicheck is definitely a guy who is going to age out of that and probably should go ahead and move on uh, if you can get something for him.
1: Yeah, and then th- there's a couple guys also. So the Tanner Rainies of the world. Tanner Rainey and Kyle Finnegan are the two guys that I look at. And I say, all right, what do you want to do with Tanner Rainey and Kyle Finnegan? Because uh, Tanner Rainey is, is an arbitration this year, next year and the following season. Kyle Finnegan this year, next year, and the following season. These are two guys who are 29 and 30, respectively. They have been the back end of your bullpen. But mm-hmm. here's the thing is, like, you know, they're, they're probably figured to be more of a sixth, seventh inning guy as opposed to the eighth and the ninth. Maybe somebody uses Kyle Finnegan in the eighth. I, that's, that's not out of their own possibility. But, like, I, I've always thought those guys have been pressed into roles maybe that they're not 110% cool with um i think they've got chances now you know once again a lot of control over them so it's a pretty good asset for you to have just to have some bullpen arms but you have to i mean maybe you trade one of them keep the other i I think that's kind of the way i would look at that
0: yeah to me it's very much a how can you maximize your value for not only right now but going forward and it's something where you know finnegan's a guy that that for the most part has, has put up zeros. He'll have, you know, a blow up here where it's two thirds of an inning, two or three runs, yeah. uh, you know, a third of an inning on, you know, against Colorado on May 20 you know, on May 29th where he gives up four hits and two runs and a third of an inning. But for the most part, he's been rather consistent. And, and so it's something where you can take it and you can sell it to a team and say, We have him, like you said, we have him a little over his head as far as where he ideally needs to be. We're using him wrong. We need to have him in a lower leverage situation than what we have him in. Um, I mean, and really, both guys are in that boat. And you can say, okay, we have one closing. You know, we have, like right now, we have Tanner Rainey as our closer. He probably would better profile as a setup man. And then Finnegan, instead of being a setup guy, should be your seventh inning guy. And the assets that I think you can get from a team that is in a playoff push, that is trying to make one of those final wildcard spots, outweighs the benefit that you're going to have by leaving those guys in the eighth and ninth innings for the next two or three seasons.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that. Uh, I'm, I'm, with, I'm with you 110%. Uh, one more word from our sponsors. Today's show is brought to you by BetOnline and BetOnline.net. Go there today. Check it out. Beautiful, sleek interface, free to sign up. You guys can find odds on all the big league baseball games happening. You guys can probably find odds also on some of the other leagues. Uh, I know the Japanese league is always a prominent one to bet on. You guys can find odds also for NASCAR, F1, uh, UFC, boxing, all of that there, and also football, basketball futures too at online. If you want to bet on where Kevin Durant will go next, you guys can do that. BetOnline and BetOnline.net today. Bet online, it's where the game starts. All right, so one more guy I want to ask you about is Eric Fetty. This is a guy who's under – he's arbitration – he's 29 years old, arbitration two and three coming up here for him in 2023 and in 2024. Then he's an understudy free agent. The thing with him is, you know, he's become an up-and-down guy. The Nationals do need starter depth, but, I mean, at this point with how bad they are, maybe you give up a guy like Fetty – to you know elsewhere um to get some you know more organizational depth and also i mean we saw this last year uh lindsey john lester turned into lane thomas right and then I mean, it's you know it's and the other day mike rizzo had said he said lane thomas is going to be a part of the nationals future now how how high of a ceiling he has i mean that's up for debate i i i kind of see lane as a fourth outfielder still though i mean they they you know he provides some pop. I mean, this is a guy that's like, you know, you're, you're not shocked when you see a two-home-run game from Lane Thomas. So you almost think, all right, is Eric Fetty better off stabilizing the Nationals rotation, being a guy there, or are you better off sending him somewhere else, somewhere that, you know, is a competitive team that needs a fifth guy that doesn't necessarily want to win this season, but they're a little competitive, they need a fifth arm, they need a guy who can transition to the bullpen as a long reliever once the playoffs happen. You know, how do, how do you think – um How do you think the Nationals should mention that? Because you know this pitching is always in demand. And he's not—he's not Max Scherzer, obviously, but still, he's a decent fifth guy, fourth, fifth guy to have who's out there every five days and can go 100 pitches for you. Yeah,
0: he averages five innings a start. You know, just under 80 innings over 16 starts this year, and it's kind of like you said. I mean, it's—it's—it's a fourth or fifth starter. It's a guy who can. Get you through, save your bullpen for the most part to get you back to the beginning of your rotation, and then when the playoffs start, he's a option for middle relief if one of your starters has a blow up, and if not, you don't use him or you leave him off the road. or
1: or the Joe Ross situation, right? With Joe Ross had to start a a World Series game for the Nationals because of an injury, you know, and, and it's nice to have a guy like a Joe Ross or an Eric Fetty around who. Hey, Max Scherzer's back, tightens up, right? And you got, you got to have somebody to go. Throw him in. Throw him in there.
0: You have a vet with starting experience, and uh, you have arbitration for him in 23 and 24, so you have team control over him as well. Uh, I absolutely think that there's value, in, given that he's already 29, and like you said, he's not he's not going to make or break your team when you're in the contention window if he is still on the team at that time. But the asset that he brings you or the multiple assets could be someone like Elaine Thomas, who could contribute, uh, who can make the team better. Uh, And what I would like to see is a swap of a younger pitching prospect Mm -hmm. for, you know, um, for Eric Fetty, because we know what Eric Fetty is. We know that he has value in the right situation. Washington's not that situation. Whereas a contending team that has a need for a fourth or fifth starter and then needs that veteran in the bullpen, like you said, if Max Scherzer's back tightens up all of a sudden or he gets a dead arm in the playoffs, I think there's more value there than there is um, on the Nationals for the next two seasons. So I would make that move, and I'm asking for some sort of young pitcher, uh, probably a guy who's uh, in the low minor still, high A, right. uh, you know, or a single A guy give him a little bit of time to better fit into that window that we're looking at the nationals having of a, you know, a two to three year window before, before they contend.
1: Yeah. I think the, team with the Red Sox maybe is a you know, good fit. You know, I actually heard Alex Cora today talking about, you know, they had to call somebody up from AAA to make a start for, I think Michael Waka, who had dead arm. Um, obviously you have a guy like this around and, and like the Red Sox kind of always have, they have these guys around who are like the, you know, starter kind of long reliever hybrid. I mean, I, I actually thought Michael Walker would end up transitioning to that long relief role and he still managed to be a starter still, yeah. but like, you know, this is a Tanner Houck's kind of in that mold too. I know he's, he's closing for them, but a guy who started before I think Eric Fetty might fit into a place like that. All right, Lindsay, uh, this is part one of our show. So we're going to wrap up part one, the next part folks, all Josh Bell, cause he's earned it. He's deserved it. Josh Bell gets his own damn show. All right, Lindsay, where can people find you and your work and all of its variety?
0: I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. The show is on Twitter at Locked On Farm. You, you can um, follow us on YouTube. We are just short of a thousand subscribers, trying to get there before the MLB draft. But we've got all of our draft coverage, our previews, our mock drafts, and everything coming up. And we'll be going live on YouTube on draft night to recap rounds one and two.
1: All right, hold on. right now, I'm using the Locked On Big Twelve account, which some of you guys know that I, I use. Boom! We just subscribed to Locked On Prospects. Make sure you guys do that too. You guys can find me on Twitter at Josh Neighbors underscore. You guys can find the show at LO underscore Nationals. You guys can find us wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. All right, Lindsay, you and I, part two, time for the Josh Bell celebration episode. Um.